Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna and I'm taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to find us on the web, you can go to our site, allthews.aawl.org.au. We're also on Facebook and Twitter and you can learn more about the organisation but also follow news and current affairs from across the Asia Pacific region on those two social media platforms. Coming up in the second part of today's program, I'll be speaking with Amanda Zivcic, who is an activist in the Refugee Action Collective. Um, She's one of the people that is organising tomorrow's Palm Sunday Refugee Rally. And of course, the Palm Sunday rallies are a a significant event on the refugee activist calendar. So I'm going to talk about why it's important to come out tomorrow and a little bit about why it's particularly important for the labour movement and workers more broadly to get behind the refugee struggle. So that is what's coming up in the second part of the program. But of course, first up, news from around the region. We're going to start in Pakistan this morning and in another sign of the savage exploitation that workers in Pakistan have to endure, 10 coal miners were recently killed in a methane gas explosion. The disaster happened in El Husseini coal mine in, in Kiribu, Pakhtunkhwa province. Subsequent bad weather and poor rescue equipment further hampered the rescue efforts. These deaths are only the latest in a series of disasters that point to the lack of health and safety conditions for Pakistani coal miners. Moving now to India. The Indian-made car, the Tata, was supposed to be the pride of India industrial achievement, but for the workers making this car, there's nothing to celebrate. The thousands of workers employed at the new Tata factory in Gujarat face precarious employment conditions, long days, low wages and unrelenting pressure to work harder. Attempts to organise have been severely repressed in the past, but in the last few weeks over 2,000 workers have been on strike. The situation for workers at Tata is very similar to those faced by workers at Honda, at Precool and at Maruti. And of course, we've been bringing you some information about the pre-coal workers, particularly those that had been um, arrested uh, in, in that particular struggle. Looking now at Thailand, activists in Thailand are using the proposed vote for a new constitution that would cement the military's role in Thai politics to show opposition to the military, uh, to the military junta. Given the level of repression in Thailand, activists like Anurag Jinto Wanich face constant surveillance and harassment from the authorities. 
in an unrelated incident, the death of eight workers in a chemical accident in a bank vault is a symptom of a system where subcontracting is widespread and union organising repressed. We're still calling for the release of Somyot Puksakasemsuk. Somyot is a long-standing comrade of AAWL. We worked with him across many campaigns um, prior to his arrest and incarceration. We're still calling for his release, but we're also calling for the release of all political prisoners in Thailand. And now what we're seeing is almost um, one every couple of weeks being charged under Les Majeste. We're also calling for the abolition of Article 112, which is the law that relates to Les Majeste. And finally, we are calling for the end of the military dictatorship. In Palestine, prisoner numbers have reached a record high. By the end of January of this year, the number of Palestinians in Israeli jails topped 6,000 people, with at least 10% of them in administrative detention. There are constant hunger strikes by prisoners fighting for better conditions or for their freedom. These increasing arrests have to be seen in light of the continuing occupation of Palestinian lands, with more land stolen in recent days. In addition, the Israeli military continues to target civilians, producing an ever-increasing number of wounded and dead. Another worker at Samsung Electronics in Korea has been hospitalised. Late last month, another worker suffered acute methanol poisoning at a Samsung factory. The young worker had to be hospitalised and later collapsed into a coma. This case is only the latest of a spate of serious injuries that workers have suffered at Samsung, where reports indicate they were not provided with health and safety equipment. Samsung Electronics is a brutal employer with a long history of union repression. Many of its workers are in in a precarious employment situation, with subcontracting, temporary and casual jobs are widespread in the industry. So just to um, add a a little bit more context for listeners that might might only be hearing this for the first time, Samsung, the electronics company that is responsible for making a lot of um, smartphones and other handheld electronic devices, um, in the manufacture of those devices, many chemicals are used as well as minuscule um, electronics um, parts to assemble those products. Um, And what had been happening and what continues to happen is that the vapours and um, gases that are emitted from those um, chemicals used in production are actually causing brain tumours and other really, really serious injuries to those workers. And Samsung continues to um, produce in this way with no regard whatsoever for the lives of those workers. Moving now to Hong Kong. Forced labour is common in Hong Kong, particularly for domestic workers. The city of Hong Kong has around 300,000 domestic workers, mainly women from Indonesia and the Philippines. A new report found that the working conditions for many of them are still very oppressive, with as many as 50,000 of them working in conditions of forced labour. Unfortunately, this is a problem that's been existing for some years and only through the right of residency and the ability to join unions will conditions improve for these workers. And just to give you a sense of how oppressive um, the the conditions are for those domestic workers, in many cases, um, the women in those conditions are sexually abused by um, those that are running those households. 
but also are are beaten um, and are, are forced to work excessive hours, so cleaning um, and providing household services du- during the day and all night in some cases. So um, a- an absolute necessity to um, fight for the rights of residency for those workers and the, and the right to join unions because that is often the threat um, that these workers experience, the threat of being forced to return home where conditions are also bad. Um, In Australia, Australian unions are advocating for a new law that would automatically give workers a permanent contract after six months of casual employment with the same employer. The use of casualisation is one of the methods used by employers all over the world to undermine workers' conditions and union organising. In a related matter, a parliamentary committee looking at the issue of seasonal workers has heard now this system is literally creating a new class of bonded workers in Australia. Unions are campaigning against the scheme as it renders the workers totally open to exploitation from employers. And actually this issue of of precarious or casualised labour um, as, as we've just said, is something impacting workers across the world. When I was in the Philippines a couple of years ago, I remember asking workers on a picket line um, in Davao City. So they were, they were workers on a banana plantation that had been locked out of their factory. And I said, what, what do you think is the biggest issue facing Filipino workers? And this comrade um, on the picket line said, well, not just for Philippine workers, but for workers everywhere is deregularised labour and casualised labour because what it means is that or what what it's resulted in is so far one of the most effective tools for the capitalists to smash us and prevent us from organising. So it really is our job as organisers and workers in the labour movement to find a response, a working response to this strategy by the capitalists so that we can win. And lastly, our story this morning comes from India in the garment sector. A recent report on factories in Udyog Vihar in Haryana state reveals that companies exploit the fact that the workers are new to the industry and still have some families and land in the villages to enforce long workdays and piecework rates. In addition, most workers are also exploited by landlords as they are dependent on them for accommodation and food. While India does not have a garment sector as big as Cambodia or Bangladesh, workers employed in it are still subject to the brutal race to the bottom in terms of wages and conditions that major companies engage in. It's 11 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. I'm going to go to some community announcements and, in fact, maybe even a song this morning. Um, I'm going to we'll listen to some Archie Roach. This track is called Down City Streets. And when we, when, um, we come back, I'll be speaking with Amanda Zivcic about the Palm Sunday Refugee Rally tomorrow. Three CR What are you supposed to do? Community radio. What are you supposed to do? Eight five five. What are you supposed to do? I am. 
Down city streets I would roam I had no bed, I had no home Crawl out of bushes early morn Use newspapers to keep me warm Then I'd have to score a drink Start me up, help me to think Down city streets I would roll Use my fingers as it In those days when I was young Drinking and fighting was no fun It was daily living for me I had no choice, it was meant to Down city streets I would roam I had no bed, I had no home There was nothing that I owned Use my fingers as it goes Now I'm a man I'm not alone I am married I have children of my own Now I have something I call my own These are my children And this is my home I look around And understand how street kids feel when they're put down. Down to the streets, I would go. I had no bed, I had no home. If there was nothing that I City streets, I would roam. I had no bed, I had no home. And there was nothing that I owned. Use my fingers as a toe. Listen to 3CR. This is Billy X. Jennings of the Black Panther Party. Power to the people. You are indeed listening to Community Radio 3CR. 
This is Asia Pacific Currents and it is 16 minutes past nine o'clock. My next guest is Amanda Zivcic, an activist and organiser in the Refugee Action Collective. Of course, tomorrow is the Palm Sunday Refugee Rally, a significant event on the Refugee Action calendar every year. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? Good morning, Giselle, and thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. A really important demonstration coming up tomorrow um, that we I would love to talk to you about. So I guess my first question is, you know, it is one of the biggest events on the refugee movement's calendar here in Australia, so not just Victoria. Why is the rally so important this year? Why should workers particularly be supporting this struggle? Yeah, it certainly is important. I mean, it's important every year as one of those sort of set-piece rallies that we have the opportunity to be building throughout um, throughout the course of the year. And in particular this year, I guess in answer to your question is we have seen a bit of an upturn um, in the refugee rights movement. I think that the case of the 267 people who are still have the threat of um, forced transfer back offshore hanging over their heads, has really seen people galvanise and mobilise around that um, and tying into that workers as well. So we've seen, obviously, um, doctors at hospitals and other medical staff refusing point blank to deport these people back to um, a place that is unsafe for them as, you know, that's their role as people who have a duty of care to medical patients. And I think that the role of workers in particular is extremely important when we're talking about safety and upholding the rights of asylum seekers because it's often, you know, in the line of simply carrying out duties or carrying out um, obligations that you're told to do by, you know, in some cases even the Department of Immigration if you happen to be working for those people, but also people who work at places like airports or bus services, people who work as baggage handlers, we need those people to refuse to participate in um, in harming people's rights. So refusing to, to you know, uh, participate in actions that could lead to people being forcibly transferred or deported. And for a public demonstration, it is really important that people come out and make their opposition really visible and really vocal um, and I guess those examples that I've just rattled off, it's not limited to that. Um, I talked about medical professionals, but also, you know, teachers, people who um, are artists or musicians, people who basically any sort of role that you play, it's really worth coming out, making it known that you disagree with this government's policies because we need people to feel empowered to challenge them. Yeah, I feel like the union movement here in Australia has moved significantly on the issue of refugees in the last five to ten years. You know, we've started to see the formation of um, lots of this union for refugees groups across Victoria and unions um, in other parts of the country. And and some of the examples that you gave, I, that that is, you know, if you could divide the refugee movement up into those that morally support the rights of refugees to um, be integrated into Australian society versus the other part of the movement that is very anti-deportation, so so a, a little bit more militant, I I would I would see the development is unions are very much in the the moral opposition to deportations, but not quite taking the industrial action that you've described. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely the case, but they're certainly interlinked. I mean, it's all it's all very well for people to say, you know, I'm not going to participate in actions that could lead to people being forcibly transferred or deported. But unless you have a broad, you know, a, a broad section of your union, your workplace, society more general, who's going to support you in that action, you're going to find yourself very, very isolated. Um, and so it is very important that, I guess, challenges happen on both, as you described, the, the moral level, but also, you know, as well as the, the practical level. So they're, they're certainly not separate. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, let's talk about resettlement on PNG and Cambodia, because that is among uh, some of the most abhorrent um, policies in the government both, you know, this government and previous government's refugee um, policies. Um, what would people be facing if they were resettled to those countries? Oh, look, frankly, nothing short of a lifetime of hell. Um, just in, in terms of the people who took up the voluntary resettlement in Cambodia, and I use that word very lightly, that, you know, being on... Um, Places like Manus and Nauru is nothing short of coercion itself. But those those asylum seekers who took up the offer to head to Cambodia, there were only four of them, and two of them have now returned to their countries of origin. So we can we can say that for them, that life was actually less worth living than returning to their countries of origin where they were persecuted in the first place. And that says a lot about the depth of cruelty that our government is willing to go to, to, you know, on the face of it, have this deterrence policy of asylum, of asylum seekers coming to Australia to claim asylum. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think we can bring in even more issues to, to this particular one. I mean, PNG and Cambodia particularly have some of the um, most abhorrent industrial practices as well. Um, and, you know, if, if we're resettling people to these countries, basically as migrant workers, they face even more severe discrimination in those countries. So some issues that have been highlighted in the media relate to um, refugees, asylum seekers who have sexualities and genders different from, you know, what we classify as as normal. Uh, what kind of discrimination would they be facing if they were relocated to those countries? Yeah, well, I mean, for for asylum seekers who are gay or transgender, um, on PNG, for example, that's punishable by up to fourteen years prison. It's so obviously it's illegal. They were also given um, little presentations by Department of Australian Department of Immigration and Border Force staff, um, you know, with pictures of two men kissing and giant red crosses put through it. Um, you know, those, those people are understandably really, really terrified of facing the prospect of having to live their lives in places like that. Um, and while... While homosexuality is punishable by up to 14 years prison in PNG, prosecutions themselves are rare. So really how this plays out is that violence, including sexual violence, is really common against these people um, and authorities either are turning a blind eye to it or they're actively participating in it. So it's not even so much um, the threat of going to jail, although that still does exist. It's the, it's the everyday threat of having your personal safety being threatened.
in those places that that's really causing a lot of distress for people. I, um, I obviously want to give you an opportunity to talk about tomorrow's demonstration so that we can get as many people there as possible to make a, a public stand in relation to um, what we think of the government's refugee policies. But I, I want to talk just a little bit about the Refugee Action Collective and I guess the refugee movement internationally because one of the things we're seeing is the most desperate ref- refugee situation in the world Um even in the context of the the refugee crisis following the Second World War. And, of course, I'm relating to the march of Syrians across Syria, across the Middle East, through to Europe and the various blockages that they're experiencing um, trying to basically get to Germany. Um, what, what, if anything, is a Refugee Action Collective doing in relation to building links with the international pro-refugee movement? That's a really good question, and I do think that historically Australia has found itself to be in a little bit of a bubble. We are understandably quite concerned about our own government atrocities that they insist on perpetrating on asylum seekers who come to claim refugee status in Australia, but of course that doesn't happen in isolation to the rest of the world. So um, particularly since, I guess, both the upswing in um, the refugee rights movement in Australia, but also, you know, the upswing in, you know, this, this demonstrable care and compassion in the rest of the world for refugees who are fleeing to Europe, um, we've made quite a concerted effort to build links with um, organisations and um different movements both in the UK and Europe um, as well as in the Middle East. So there's um, actually a rally happening today across lots of different parts of the world, just dubbed M19. So this March 19 rally is um, against both racism that refugees face but also to welcome refugees. And that's happening. Um, there'll be demonstrations held across most cities in Europe There's um, demonstrations being held in Beirut. There's demonstrations being held, I believe, in other parts of the Middle East and also um, outside some detention centres and some cities in the UK. So we've made a point of nationally sending our greetings and our solidarity to that. Um, And similarly, last week there was a march on the notorious detention centre in the UK, um, which is the Yarlswood Detention Centre, and we sent a statement of support to be read out at the rally over there. And similar statements have come our way, particularly um, from areas that have seen quite a lot of political activity lately around this issue, such as different parts of Greece. So it is really good that those links are being built. And importantly, there's also a group that's been active um, for about a year now, uh, which has recently changed its name. They're now called the International Alliance Against Mandatory Detention. They were previously called Australians Overseas Against Mandatory Detention. Um, And this is a group of people who are Australian or who identify as Australian and they happen to be overseas in different countries and they will go to places like embassies or landmarks and um, have demonstrations in solidarity with um, either major demonstrations happening in Australia or, you know, if asylum seekers themselves happen to be in a period of resistance, there might be a hunger strike or a protest going on on you know, say Manus Island or Nauru, and they will hold little solidarity demonstrations in response to that to let people know that actually, yes, this is a global issue and 
the, we are part of the world and that world is watching and we can apply some pressure externally on the Australian government as well in regards to their, their policies. Well, Amanda, why don't you give out the details for tomorrow so the listeners in Melbourne at the very least can get along to it? Sure. So this is the Walk for Justice Refugees 2016. It is from 2pm from the State Library and it's tomorrow. We'll hear from a range of speakers and the, the action has been endorsed by a really broad number of church and union groups. So I encourage everyone to get along. I also want to say that for workers, um, you know, the racist attacks that we see on refugees, the racist rhetoric, it's, it's another way to divide and undermine our solidarity with each other. So that is fundamentally a really important reason to get along to demonstrations like the one happening tomorrow. Amanda, thank you so much for your time on the show this morning. Thanks so much for having me, Giselle. That was Amanda Zivcic from the Refugee Action Collective speaking about tomorrow's um, Palm Sunday uh, March for Refugees. That's all we've got time for on Asia-Pacific Currents. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. Hey, this is Nick from Pinar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. One, two, three, four, we won't take it anymore.